Amen. It's always great to celebrate uh, the lives that Christ is changing. How many of you have realized that we're in the middle of the Christmas season? Anybody? How many of you are like me and Christmas shopping can steal your Christmas joy quicker than anything else, right? Well, fortunately, uh, I did the right thing yesterday and let my wife go shopping all by herself. And so I still have joy today. I don't know about her, but I still have my joy. But this morning, I want to continue uh, with the theme that we talked about last week, which is waiting on Christmas. And we're taking a look back at the greatest story that has ever been told and is still being told today. We are looking at some of the characters in the Christmas story uh, that we don't talk about much. These are the characters that don't show up in the nativity scene. Uh, They're very seldom in the Christmas plays that we see. Uh, You certainly don't see them on the Christmas stories that are shown on television or at the movie theaters. These are characters that are sometimes unheard of or easy to forget about them, but they play a very important role in this incredible story. And so I want us to dig in a little bit more in Luke chapter Two. So if you would, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. Now I know that sometimes when we hear a story many times, that that story can lose meaning or it can lose its significance. And I believe that sometimes this even happens in the church when it comes to the Christmas story. This is a story that we have heard many times over and over. We have seen those Christmas plays. We have watched the Christmas movies. We sing songs about the Christmas story. And it is something that we have heard over and over. And because of that, sometimes I believe that we can lose the awe of Christmas. Or we can lose the the joy that comes through this greatest story that's ever been told. But I hope and pray that as we look at these different characters, as we take a look back at this wonderful Christmas story, that maybe it would spark a new awe inside of us, a new joy inside of us as we go through this Christmas season waiting on Christmas to come. Now we looked last week at a couple by the name of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah and Elizabeth lived in a time when the world was dark. Uh, There was a time where God had been silent for 400 years. And so they were waiting and praying to hear from God. And Elizabeth and Zechariah had a special prayer that they were praying. And they were praying that God would bless them with the child. And they remained faithful to God even when they couldn't hear God. They remained faithful even though their prayers had not been answered. They continued to serve and they continued to pray in their life. And God came through in an incredible way. And God blessed them with a child. And this was not just a normal, ordinary child. Scripture told us, as we looked at last week, that this child was full of the Spirit even before he was born. This child had a special call upon his life. This child would grow up to be known to us as John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ. And he would go out and he would preach and he would teach repentance to the people. And he was pulling people in, teaching them about the importance of their relationship with God. And then his main job was to point others to Christ. 
This was an incredible sign. I mean, God blessed them in an incredible way. And the scripture said that this child would bring joy to their life. And we noticed that while they were still waiting, they were still faithful. Well, this morning, I want us to pick up again in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look a little further along in the Christmas story. But one thing I love about the Bible when we read it, that the Bible is a living book. Matter of fact, Paul says in Hebrews 4.12 that the Word of God is living and active. What does that mean to us? Well, the Word of God plants seeds that bring forth life in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I think sometimes when we read this very familiar story, we need to read it with an open heart, praying that God would reveal to us, He would plant that seed in us that would grow and continue to bring about joy in our hearts. And maybe, just maybe, He would show us something new that we haven't seen before. And I love that about Scripture. How many of you have been reading a familiar passage in Scripture, and you're reading it again for maybe the hundredth time, and you're looking at it going, wow. I have never seen that before. God has never, anybody besides me? It happens. God's word is alive and active. So I pray today that as we dive into this very familiar story and we look at a couple of other characters in this story, that we would look at it with an open heart, ready for God to speak to us, ready for God to plant the seeds inside of us that will continue to grow. So look with me if you would. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to begin in verse 22. It says, Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Now, I want us to stop right there for a second before we dive into this man named Simeon. And I want us to see what is happening in this story. So at the beginning of this passage, we see that Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to Jerusalem to dedicate Jesus to the Lord. This was a requirement that is found in the Old Testament. If you go back to the book of Leviticus, you can read about this in chapter 12. And this would have taken place 40 days after the birth of Christ. So he's 40 days old when they bring Jesus to be dedicated. And they're also to bring an offering for Mary's purification after childbirth. And when we notice what happens in this passage, we see that Mary and Joseph, they bring in either two turtle doves or two pigeons. And this shows us and reminds us that they were not a wealthy couple. Jesus was not born into a wealthy family. We know that because the law required that they bring a goat in or sheep in. They bring in something of more significance than a turtle dove and a pigeon. But if you did not have the money, then you could bring in the pigeons or the turtle dove. And that is what they brought as their offering and their sacrifice that day for the purification. They could not afford a lamb that was required. But I want you to think about something when we think about this in this passage. They could not afford a lamb as a sacrifice. 
But the baby that they brought that day is the very Lamb of God who would one day be the perfect sacrifice that would be the end of all sacrifices. They couldn't afford a lamb, but they brought the greatest lamb, the greatest sacrifice of all. The one who would lay down his life for us to become the perfect sacrifice so that our relationship with God could be restored. What a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And to me, this makes 2 Corinthians 8, 9 very special. There the Bible says, Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. He left all the riches of heaven, and he came to earth, and he lived the sinless life and a perfect life, so that he could become that perfect sacrifice for us. This shows how much Christ loves each one of us. That he was willing to lay aside everything for each one of us. He was not born in a mansion for the rich, but he was born in a stable for the poor. And this reminds us today that Jesus is acceptable. Accessible. Sorry, he is acceptable too. He is accessible to all of us. He is there for all, the rich, the poor. All of us have access to Christ. He is available to everyone who will come to Him. The King of kings came humbly to the world for you and for me. And my friend, this is the greatest story that is ever told. The great story of God coming to this world in the flesh through His Son, Jesus Christ. So now, Mary and Joseph... They travel a short distance to the temple in Jerusalem from Bethlehem. They go there this day to fulfill what the Old Testament law had required of them to do. And as they arrive, they had an encounter with two different people. One whose name is Simeon, the other whose name is Anna. Now we don't know if these two knew each other before this event. We don't know a whole lot about them. But there are a few things that we can get from their lives, get from this story that can apply to our lives, that can be an encouragement to us today. So let's continue reading. Again, let's pick up at verse 25. It says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him And had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation when you have prepared which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. 
and a sword will pierce your soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel and the, of the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. A couple of things that I want us to see through this passage this morning. The first thing is this. That these two, Simeon and Anna, lived their life with hope. It says about Simeon that on this day, that he was led to the temple by the Spirit of God. And while he was at the temple, he sees this baby Jesus. Now, we don't know if somebody had pointed Jesus out or, or what exactly happened that made him recognize Jesus. I, I believe this that the Spirit of God that drew him to the temple that day was the same Spirit of God that helped him recognize the Savior of the world has come. And he is drawn to this baby. And I don't know how many parents would have been there with their babies that day. But it doesn't matter if there was one or if there was a hundred. Simeon was able to see that there was something special about this child. There was something special, something different about this baby. And he goes over to this child and he picks this child up out of his mother's arms and he's holding this child up. And I want you to notice what it says about Simeon in verse 25. It says that he was waiting on the Savior to come and to rescue Israel. He was waiting on a rescuer. Why did Israel need to be re rescued? Why did they need a rescuer? Well, I'll remind you what we talked about last week, and I hit on it just briefly at the beginning, but Israel is now in a 400-year drought, if you would, from hearing from God. And they've been praying that God would give them a message. 400 years of no prophet, 400 years of God being silent. And they've been praying, God, we want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. But keep in mind, the reason that this happened was because Israel, if you go back and read through the Old Testament, time and time again had turned their back on God. And so now God is silent. And they need a rescuer. Not only is God silent, but the world is in a dark time. They had wicked rulers during that time. They had several of them. But now they're living under Herod the Great, a wicked ruler who would take people out that would oppose him and get in his way, even if they were family members. He didn't care. And the world was in a dark time. And Simeon was waiting for a rescuer, waiting for a Savior that would come. And Simeon was promised that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. And I can only imagine what it was like for him this day, for Simeon, as he realized that the promise that he had received, that he would see the Messiah before he died, that now he is holding in his hands the Messiah, 
the one that has come, this little baby that is the Savior of the world, the promise that he had received has now been fulfilled. Can you imagine the joy that he would have had? He lived his life with the hope of a promise, the hope of a Savior, and now that promise has been fulfilled. And then in verse 36, it says that Anna was also there in the temple. And she comes up as Simeon is talking with Mary and Joseph, and she begins praising God. It was probably like a worship service that began at that point. She is just praising God because of this baby that is there. Why was she praising God? Well, she had been living with the hope of a redeemer that was going to come. Again, a rescuer that was going to come. And she recognized that that hope that she had of this redeemer and this rescuer was now in her presence. She was there in the presence of God, the redeemer of the world. Now, it's obvious that these two in the story have been living their life with this wonderful hope. We see that by their reaction. Now, we don't have any idea if they were ever told, if God ever revealed to them how the Savior was going to come. We don't know all that. We don't know a whole lot about them. But we know that there was hope, and that hope came overflowing with joy when they were in the presence of this Savior that has come into the world. While waiting for Christmas, people hope for different things. Matter of fact, if we were to go around the room and we were to ask people, what are you hoping for for Christmas? We would probably get a lot of different answers. For some, uh, maybe the children, they'd be saying, I'm hoping for this special gift. This one thing, if I could get it, it would make my life somehow so much better. And so they're hoping for that special gift. Let me ask you, parents, this. I don't know if this happened to anybody else or if it just happened to us, but how many of you ever had a time where you bought a special gift for your child? You had it nicely wrapped and Christmas comes and they tear into the wrapping and they, they get that gift out of the box and they turn to the box and they play with the box and not the special gift. That happened to anybody else besides us? What's up with that? I mean, it's just an empty box, and so sometimes I think we could just wrap empty boxes under the tree and let them go. Let them have all the fun they want to have. Sometimes people are, are hoping for that family time, maybe getting together with family that we haven't seen in a while and having that special Christmas time with our family. For some, maybe you're just hoping for some Christmas rest, being able to have a little time where you can kind of catch your breath a little bit and have that rest. And for for some, it may be something completely different. There could be all kinds of answers there. But what is it that you're hoping for this Christmas? When you apply that to your life, what are you hoping for for Christmas? Now, if you were to go back and ask Simeon and Anna what they were hoping for for Christmas, they would tell you what we are hoping for is a redeemer. We're hoping for a rescuer. We are hoping for a Savior that will come. And that Savior that they were hoping for has now come, and His name is Jesus. I have a message for each one of us today. I have a message for the world today that all we need in our world today is Jesus. That's all we need. Now, I don't minimize the gifts and the family time and all that. There's purpose and there's meaning and all that. But all we truly need is Jesus. Because all the other things of this world will pass away. 
but we'll have Jesus forever. Jesus is what we need. Jesus is the rescuer. Jesus is the Savior that has come. Now, I've noticed this, that things that we hope for in life, I mean, things that we truly hope for, those are the things that will end up getting our time, our attention, and our focus. And if Jesus is that thing that we are hoping for and we are looking for, He is the one that will satisfy. Jesus is what they were looking for. Reminds me that when we seek, we will find, right? What are we hoping for? What are we looking for? What are we wrapping our lives around? They lived their lives with hope. Secondly, they chose to finish well. We notice in this passage that both Simeon and Anna were old. Now, we're not sure exactly how old Simeon was, but it's obviously at the end of his life. He has promised at some point here that he will not die before he sees the Messiah. And after he sees the Messiah, after he sees this baby Jesus, he says in verse 29, Now let your servant die in peace. He is ready to go. He's ready to, uh, for his life here to be over. He's ready to go to heaven for eternity. He, he's ready for this to be over. And the promise that he had been hoping for and waiting for has come. So now he is at this stage in his life where he's ready to go. And we see that Anna was 84 years old. Anna was a widow for many years. And we are told here that Anna stayed in the temple day and night praying, fasting, and worshiping God. With Simeon, it says that he was righteous and devout. Simeon and Anna remained righteous throughout their lives. Now, righteousness is the idea of doing the right thing at the right time in the right way for the right motives. How well are we doing? Uh, Do we do that well? Uh, Sometimes, maybe. Uh, Sometimes we miss that mark, right? And I'm sure that that was true for their lives as well. I'm sure that they weren't perfect. But to make this real simple for us, righteousness is doing the things that Jesus would have done and not doing the things that Jesus would not have done. How are we doing on that? How many of you missed that mark this week? Don't answer. I'll answer for myself. I have. But that's what it says. They were righteous. By the way, if you'll remember last week's message, that's what we saw about Zechariah. Righteous in the eyes of the Lord. Now, the Bible describes a person as righteous. He or she is a person who is in a right relationship with God. Conforming to the standard, will, or the character of God. And this comes only from an internal change that makes our heart right with God. That's how we become righteous. It's a change of the heart that comes only through a relationship with Him. Now, Anna was a widow for many years. And I'm sure as a widow, she probably had a lot of pain Uh, in her heart from the loss of her husband. I'm sure there were probably times that she felt lonely. There were probably times that it was not easy for her to go through each day. There may have been times that she questioned, God, how how did I end up here? Why is this the way my life is? We don't know all that because, again, we don't know much about her, but I can just imagine what her life might have been like. There may have been days that it was difficult to live with the pain, yet she chose to remain faithful. She chose to finish well. I love what it says that she was at the temple day and night 
praying, fasting, and worshiping God. And Simeon here at the end of his life, he may have wondered if the promise that God has made is ever going to happen. God, is this promise ever going to be fulfilled in my life? We don't know what he was going through in his life, but he chose to remain faithful to God and to trust God to do what he promised. And because of that, they were able to experience what God was doing in an incredible way. Again, I assure you that they were not perfect in their life. They were not sinless in their life. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that none of us are perfect. We all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. They would fit into that category. And so when you think about the righteousness that they had in their life, they, they strive to live a righteous life. We need to do the same. We need to strive to live a righteous life as well. But if you're anything like me, that kind of scares me a little bit because I know that I'm not going to be able to live a righteous life each and every day. And I've got news for you. None of us can. Matter of fact, our righteousness in scriptures compared to filthy rags. But it's the righteousness of Christ in us when we give our lives to him, when we live for him. It is his righteousness that makes the difference. It is his righteousness that changes our lives. And it is because our righteousness can never measure up that he needed to come into the world. And as Simeon said in verse 30, he is the salvation that God had prepared for all the earth. And while our hearts are stained with sin, his heart remained pure. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And he rose from the dead to give us life in him. It is through his righteousness that we are righteous. It is through his life that we can truly live. Listen, we can't live a good enough life to ever be counted righteous on our own. But when we allow Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our lives, Jesus makes us righteous before God, and there's nothing that can take that away. And that is good news when we think about the Christmas story, when we think about who this baby is and what he did. And the way we choose to finish well in our lives is by, first of all, giving our lives to Christ. But then, second of all, choosing each day to live in His righteousness. Choosing to continue on when it may seem hard. When we may not have the answers. When we may not know what tomorrow is going to bring. We choose to finish strong. And then lastly, notice that they celebrated Jesus. Simeon took the baby in his arms. And he praised God. I wonder what Mary was thinking at this point. They come to the temple. They've got uh, their sacrifice that they're going to make for her purification. They've got this baby that they're going to dedicate to the Lord. There's this old man that comes in that they don't know who he is, what he's about. He comes in. He takes the baby from her arms. That's a little weird, isn't it? And he holds that baby up. And he begins to praise God for the salvation that has come. And he begins to speak truth about this baby that amazes Mary and Joseph. And then while he is doing this, then here comes Anna, a lady they don't know, they haven't seen before. And here comes Anna, and she comes up, and now she is praising God. Because the Savior, the Redeemer, has come into the world. And there is joy in their hearts. 
There is joy that is just overflowing from them because they recognize what God has done through this little baby Jesus. God coming to the world in flesh. And they recognize and, and they're singing out. They're praising God with joy in their hearts. Our world still needs a rescuer. Our world needs a savior. Our world needs a redeemer. And the great news today is that a Savior is here and His name is Jesus. And we ought to celebrate that with gladness, with joy. We're told in Acts 4.12 that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we can be saved other than the name of Jesus. And that is the Christmas story. That is why it's the greatest story that's ever been told. And there should just be joy overflowing from us every time we hear the Christmas story. Every time we share the Christmas story, every time we sing the Christmas story, there should be joy that is overflowing from us as we celebrate Jesus. How well are we doing? How well are we doing when it comes to celebrating Jesus? Jesus is the greatest gift that's ever been given. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? We need to celebrate Jesus. The greatest gift, the greatest story that's ever told. His birth when he came from heaven and dwelt among us. His life that was sinless so that he could become that perfect sacrifice. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Every time we hear the name Jesus, it ought to bring joy to our hearts, joy to our life. And, and I'm pretty sure that at some time during the Christmas season, you're going to hear the song, or maybe you're going to sing the song, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. It's going to happen. I promise. I guarantee it. Because I just said it. And now it's there, right? Joy to the World. Everybody know that song? I'm going to do you a favor. I'm not going to sing it. But I can tell you this. I've been in church services. I've been in Christmas services where we're singing Joy to the World. The Lord has come, and I'm looking around going, where is the joy? As we go through this Christmas season, as we're waiting on Christmas right now, we live in a world that needs the joy of Christ. And that joy should be an overflow of our heart. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. A Savior is here. A Redeemer is here. He brings salvation to the world he brings light to the darkness he brings hope to the hopeless he is everything that we need the greatest gift that we could ever receive is Jesus he is all that we need Jesus I wonder today do you have the joy of Christmas in your heart the joy that can only come through Jesus. Let's pray together. As you bow your head and you close your eyes this morning, I want us to think about that question. Do you have that joy of Jesus in your heart? Has there been a time where you recognized that you needed a Savior in your life and that you surrendered your life to Him? You chose to follow Him. If there's never been that time, and if God is speaking to your heart today and He's drawing you, today you can open up your heart to Him. And today, you can know the true joy of Christmas.
if you would just say yes to him. Maybe you've known Christ for a long time as your Lord and Savior, as I have. Maybe sometimes the Christmas story uh, loses its all in your heart. Would you allow God today just to maybe do something new, maybe show you something new that maybe would bring back that joy? And let's celebrate Jesus in our lives. Father, I thank you today for your word. God, I thank you that your word is active, your word is powerful, and that your word is still changing lives today. God, I thank you that you provided hope for each one of us through your son, Jesus Christ. That when we needed a Savior, the Savior came. God, I thank you for all that you do. I thank you for the lives that were changed over 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ was born and came into this world. And I thank you for the lives that are still being changed today. And God, I pray for anyone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that your spirit would just draw them unto yourself today. And today would be the day of salvation for them. God, I pray that for each one of us, as we leave this place today, that we would leave with an overflowing joy in our heart. And God, I know for some, there's difficult days that they're going through and Uh, For some, everything's going great. But whatever season of life that we're in, that we would not lose the joy of Christmas. And that joy would overflow and it would be contagious in our world that needs Jesus as much as ever. God, we thank you for your wonderful love for us. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.